welcome one, welcome all to another developer interview here on the Xbox Expansion Pass. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost, and today I am joined by Moritz Wagner, head of design for the upcoming stealth tactics title, Shadow Gambit. Moritz, thank you for joining me today. Hi, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So glad that you are here. Uh, congratulations on the reveal of Shadow Gambit. Uh, I know that art style absolutely snagged my attention immediately when I first saw it. Uh, how are you feeling now that players have their eyes on the game? Yeah, thanks. It's been it's been wild. So uh, you work these like two years or something, and nobody knows what you're doing, and you kind of talk about it to almost anyone. Um, and you're hoping that it's going to be received well. Uh, and I think we've like people really liked it. I was surprised that we didn't get as many negative comments. Like usually we have a lot of positive comments in general, but this time there were more, <laughs> so there was less stuff that might be bad. So yeah, I really enjoyed the reception uh, that we got so far. That's really cool. It uh, I certainly love the trailer. It did a great job breaking down the game. Um, when I just you know. Right away, I listed it as a stealth tactics game. But one of the things that's interesting is that if, or, or sorry, a stealth tactics game. But then if I go to your website, it says a stealth strategy game, which I have to know, like, what's the difference here between the two? So probably there isn't one. Uh, we've just tried to create a genre name for the genre that we're in. Um, and that would be stealth strategy. Uh, because before it was very all over the place. Uh, there was real-time tactics was, I think, the, the thing that we fell into. And there was many, like, it makes sense, but it's a very clunky genre name. So people really mm -hmm. didn't know what to expect. And when we were, we were first uh, self-publishing for the first time uh, this, this time, so we figured, what can we do to make it easier for people to understand what type of game we're making? And we wanted to look at the genre name. And so we talked about things, and we decided to come up with stealth strategy. And I know that... If we're going by like what the words mean, uh, stealth tactics would fit better uh, because you are more doing tactical stuff than strategic stuff in our games. Mm -hmm. But um, we figured that it's a title that if you hear stealth strategy, your brain sort of goes into a top-down perspective uh, and you have the stealth aspect and it becomes more real-time because tactics for many people is a turn-based thing and our games are real-time. So this is why we went with that. Um, and yeah, so... We will have to see if that sticks, right? I mean, you cannot coin a genre term yourself that great. In the end, it's going to be journalists and the community who do whatever comes out of it. But that's how that come to came to pass. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, you say you can't coin the term, but I feel like Mimimi, Mimimi Games has done a good job at kind of doing that uh, with, with their genre. Now, for listeners who maybe don't have the video version in front of them, uh, what are players doing in Shadow Gambit, uh, kind of on, on a minute-to-minute, -minute, moment to moment level. Isometric view, looking down, and doing what? Yeah, so as you said, it's an, it's not completely isometric, to be fair. Um, it's mm -hmm. it's a sort of top-down-y thing, but isometric has certain values assigned to it that we, that we don't have. Um, and you're playing a small squad, usually three um, pirates, uh, who are infiltrating rather large islands full of enemies that are um, of a faction called the Inquisition of the Burning Maiden. Um, and it takes place in the golden age of piracy, uh, basically, but in an alternate history setting. And you're basically doing these heists and, and things on these islands. Every character has very special skills. They are very unique in what they can do, and these skills combine very well and has, have a lot of synergy. And you're sneaking and killing, or maybe not killing, if you're one of the more uh, shadow guys uh, or gals, then you cannot kill anyone. 
um, you're making your way through these islands trying to complete various missions uh, where you're like maybe stealing something, assassinating someone. Um, and the overall plot that you're going through is basically a giant hunt for a very legendary treasure. Um, and yeah, that's basically what you do. So you strategize, you distract people, you sneak past them, you take them down together, these sorts of things. So obviously you've got enemies in here and uh, I want to talk about them. But first... I think it's more appropriate to talk about the ship you're on and some of the abilities that ship has because uh, for this alternate history timeline, you guys have some pretty mystical elements that give you both as a player some cool control aspects in terms of time, but also uh, it just looks cool and it's got <laughs> cool lore. Tell me a little bit about the ship that you're on and what kind of what that can do for your gameplay. Yeah, so there's basically the ship you're on is the hub you return to after every mission. Um, and it's also a character. Uh, it's it's a sentient ghost pirate ship, basically. Um, her name is the Red Marley, and she's one of the main characters in the game. A lot of the story revolves around her and her story, um, the relationship she had with her old captain, things like that. Um, and you basically return to her after every mission, and, but she can also support you on the missions you're on because she has time manipulation powers that can help you during these missions. Um, what it what she can basically do is that she can capture a memory uh, of a if you're on a mission and you're, this is a tough spot I can capture a memory um, and then you can release that memory at later time so you can return to that point which is great in stealth games because things go wrong uh, and and you alert the, the guards or something and you don't want to do that um, like you can you can still keep playing there it's it's very uh, open the game but if you say no I want to lo uh, load back you can basically unleash that memory again and that happens very quickly in our games. Um, they have always been very reliant on on iteration, basically, um, mm -hmm. because we want people to be able to experiment with the awesome stuff and skills they have, um, and not like feel confined by having to do it the one way they know that works always, because failure is is so punishing. And yeah, so she can support you with that, and she can also slow time down and to complete a pause, which is very important for many people because real time for some people is a little stressful. You can always pause, you can plan actions, and this is all sort of mechanics that come through her power. So I like that idea. You can you can pause something to strategize and move your players around the board. Um, I say board, it's not doesn't look like a board, but you know what I mean. Uh, so move it around the map. You can pause if you want to, or you can kind of let it run in like a slow pace or standard pace. Is that correct as well? Um, so you can... Right, it around a normal normal pace, and you can also fast forward time, which is very helpful in stealth games. If you have a patrol running around and you want to wait for the perfect time for them to be somewhere, you don't just have to sit there waiting, doing nothing. You can fast forward a little bit, so this happens faster, and you get to the point you want to do it in. Um, I saw. Um, I was watching gameplay of Shadow Gambit, and I saw a player made a mistake. Uh, I think a rock got dumped on him from a guard above. Uh, died rewound time and then was able to kind of change his pattern is that that kind of what you guys are going for exactly yeah and the this memory reloading happens very fast in our games like we have of course it depends on your system and all that and it's not optimized ready but if you have played one of our earlier games desperados or shadow tactics to know that these back then it was still a quick save and a quick load normally mm -hmm. mechanically it's still very close to that but we've integrated it into the world narratively so that it's really part of the world it's, it's not something you do and you basically cheat the game or feel like cheating the game by safe scumming it's mm -hmm. actually intended like it's the main power of your ship um, and the times are very fast there so it's just a couple of seconds to, to save and load um, so you can just really iterate if you want to 
do you think that kind of quick load, the ability to kind of avoid the loading screen or, or what might be perceived as saves coming, do you think that is going to encourage players to do just what you're looking for? I hope so. Yeah, that was the main goal we had when putting it into the world. We realized that for some people, they just didn't enjoy that part as much, nor only old games. And that was mostly due to due to the flavor of it. Like they felt like they were cheating. They felt like they were doing something that's not intended in the game. Even though we tell you all the time, do this, do this. Like if you play our old games, there's pop-ups on the on the like tutorialization at the beginning that always say quick save, quick save, quick save. Because we want mm-hmm. you to quick save. Um but yeah, this way I think it's gonna change a lot. And we can also, which is pretty cool, do do cool stuff on the story with that. Like a lot of the story will rewind around the powers uh resolve around the powers of the Mali. Um and we have small nuggets. Like if you have a spot and it's really hard, maybe you failed five times and you loaded the safe memory, uh, same memory like four to five times, your characters can comment on that because they remember it. They can be like, Oh man, this is a really tough spot, or they can say things. So it's really it brings it more into the world and makes the game more feel more real and less gamey i think and that's i think very positive thing one of the questions i had uh in my notes was you know you guys had worked on desperado 3 uh that was kind of the most recent console release uh, a lot of tactics games what lessons from those games did you guys take bringing into this one was it the 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 quick load features the the ability to kind of integrate it into the game was that one of the lessons you guys took it was one of them, yeah. Um, another thing is, like, we've been making these games for quite some time now, so we already keep learning a lot. And I think the main thing that helped us when doing after doing Shadow Tactics and Desperados 3 is that we have a very good understanding of how the genre works, how characters should work, how missions should work. And this is why we felt very comfortable to switch things up a bit now, a little more. We are going into the fantasy setting, so we have magical abilities for the characters, which is a huge game changer for us. Like We had a little bit of that in Desperados with a character um, called Isabel, but if you're confined to realism and, and real, like throwing a knife, throwing a stone, these typical stealth things that um, people know, there's not as much as you can do. But if we're going full magic, like we're doing in this game, there is crazy things the characters can do. And it was so much fun to design them. And it's so much fun to figure out how they work and, and like how they work together. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest things that we took with us. just the experience of knowing how these systems work, how these games are supposed to work, what breaks them, what doesn't break them, how far can we push with abilities and all this stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. I mean, and that makes perfect sense. I think, uh, I think when you look at, the magic abilities that you can give a player and what that can do for gameplay options. That's a pretty cool uh, experience, all things considered. Uh, I am curious, uh, when you guys were experimenting with these magic abilities, uh, were there any that you tried and then, you know, didn't work out and you're like, okay, that that doesn't work for what we want to do? Yeah, there's there's always many of those. Like, in the beginning, we just started prototyping things that we thought might be interesting. Um and we started to take the archetypes of characters we have and experience how can we take that archetype and, and bump it up with the magic. And some things just really didn't work out. Like uh, they just sometimes it's they feel like they sound awesome, but actually doing it feels a little clunky and, and like it's not as powerful as you would think. Or sometimes we just can't figure out a way to make it control well. Um Especially with a gamepad, with a game like ours, it can be a little tricky to get the controls right. I think we've managed to do that. That is also something we learned from the old games. Um, they already had very good gamepad controls, but like sometimes it's just 
doesn't feel good, you know, and you're like, okay, this this skill, while it might sound fun, it, it just doesn't play well. Or it's too powerful or it's too weak, you know, it's just, it's very specific for a certain situation. You know, okay, yeah, and that situation is ultra strong, but you basically don't use that character at all <laughs> aside from that situation. That's something we don't want. We want every character to be useful in many situations while you're playing them. So we try a lot of stuff and uh, there is still more that we can try and, and we might try, of course, but we have like eight characters in that game now, which is three more than in our previous games. And they are really crazy and really unique and have these great abilities that synergize well. So it took quite some time to get there and a lot of iteration and throwing stuff out the window as well. How did you, to, to have eight characters, each with their own abilities, uh, that's a lot of balancing, I would have to imagine, to make sure the game's not too easy, too hard, that it's fair. Uh, how did you go about balancing these characters to make sure that uh, you kind of get the optimal gameplay experience? Yeah, so to make things worse, uh, it's even harder this time because in our old games, we basically forced you to play characters on a mission. We said, Desperados, you have Doc McCoy and Cooper in this mission. And the level designers knew it and the game designers, everybody knew it, so we could tailor the mission towards that. In Shadow Gambit, we said, you can choose the characters you bring on each mission. So it's a free choice for every mission and you can... Well, I mean, that makes it even crazier that it's eight characters with very unique skills because we never mm -hmm. know who you're playing on, on a mission. Um, so a lot of work actually went into that, but in the end, it sort of worked out really well. And in the end, like if we're talking design a little bit, it just comes down to breaking it down into, into certain specific things that can stay consistent between the characters. Like, for example, how long does it take to perform a kill skill in the game? We have two of those. We have short ones and we have long ones. And um, then we can balance all of the distraction times and the enemy detection times based on the short and long kill. Um, and even though the kill might have very different things around it, maybe one of them is like Mr. Mercury that you can see in the gameplay trailer that's out right now. He uses an anchor and he comes basically comes from the from a portal from the ground, jumps out and uses an anchor to smash down the enemy and takes him through that portal. So the body is hidden. You don't have to care about the body anymore after they're taking them down, which is a big thing in a stealth game. Um, mm. So you have all these add-ons that come onto it, but you try to balance it around basic values. And from a level design standpoint, it's a huge challenge because not only can you choose the characters that come on a mission, you can also choose where to spawn on a mission, which is also new. Uh, you can just choose whenever on an island you want to spawn in certain spots. So they don't even know where you're coming from. You can come from east, north, whatever. Um, it's completely different. Um, but they managed to find a way building these these enemy setups with, with the guards um, in a way that it's always fun and entertaining. And I believe that if we're in a, in a genre like this or also in other genres, the more you go into a sandbox aspect, um, and mm -hmm. we pushed very hard for the sandbox in this one, the more control you have to let go about the detailed experience. Like It's not like in a third person perfectly shooter where it's perfectly like in call of duty or something you're basically on a railroad with uh, where things happen and it's very they know exactly what you can do and they can present things it's not like that in our game we push you on a mission and then you can do whatever you want um and so what we try to do is we just try to make sure that it never gets too hard or too easy but everything mm -hmm. in between is fine for us and maybe you choose a character selection for a mission that makes it a little harder but you can mm -hmm. still beat it. it. It's never too hard. Or maybe you choose one that makes it a little easier and you feel like you made a smart choice. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's comparable to if you're taking a third-person action game with, where you have a big sword or a sword and shield layout uh, for your character. Some fights will get easier and other fights will be harder, but if, as long as you can beat them all, um, it feels good. And it also matters that you chose these things because some are easier and harder. So gotcha. that's how we approach it. That makes perfect sense. That's a great, and that's a great analogy for it, uh, just as far as like understanding. Now, uh, you talked about you know going to different areas. You talked about a sandbox. Um, when I watch gameplay, it looks to me like there's several ways a player can accomplish uh, whatever their goal is: getting through the level, stealing the treasure, uh, taking down enemies. Lots of ways to basically solve the problems that they're faced with. Um, in a lot of games lately, that's done with procedural generation. Is that happening with you guys for the design of your levels? Is it more handcrafted? Where are you guys on that front? Uh, it's 100% handcrafted. Like, everything in the game has been meticulously placed by a person. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is some procedural generation in the assets. Like, I think we have tools that generate rock assets for us, for example, or cliffs, because those are just tedious to model by yourself. But the placement <laughs> on a location... Everything there is handmade, um, and almost all of the assets are as well. So there is a lot of, like, I think our games are known and beloved by fans for the fact that there is a lot of detail in them, and there's a lot of small stuff that you can see in the environment. You can hear the guards talk about stuff, um, and all of that is still present in that game. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a very important part for us to make these feel like these small miniature islands that are complete and i think that is also a very cool part regarding the sandbox in this game is that it's actual islands like in our mm-hmm. old games we had maybe a city level we had a new orleans level in desperados 3 we can't put all of new orleans in a map for that would be insane so we just mm-hmm. had to take a small cut and it's just two or three blocks right and then there's basically a, a wall around it in some way maybe not invisible but we block it off so it, it it has this feeling of it's not the whole thing. And in this game, every location you're on is a complete island and you can just, you can actually swim around the whole thing and mm-hmm. try to get on every, anywhere you want to. Um, and that makes it feel a lot more like a sandbox to me personally. So Shadow Gambit is my first introduction to your work. I somehow just as a gamer had missed Desperados and Shadow Tactics and such. And so... When I saw the trailer, super excited, started researching you guys for our interview, and I was going back and watching gameplay, and you mentioned like the little things, you know, handcrafted little things in your levels, and that was one of the things I noticed immediately when I looked at at gameplay footage, and uh, there's so many, so many like finite small details in a level that a player might miss, might might never see, and yet it's there, and I think it adds a really cool ambiance vibe like you realism isn't the right word when you're dealing with time manipulation or when you've got like abilities but uh you feel like you're a part of that world despite the viewpoint uh and i'd have to imagine that takes time but it feels worth it for you guys totally yeah i mean thanks for for mentioning and noticing that it's it's something a lot of work goes into like these locations i would say are the thing that takes the most time we start them very early on and we just keep iterating on them forever uh, basically um and yeah especially if you're during development and you have these gray box locations and there's not much there right it's it's mostly focused on gameplay and you can see okay Mm -hmm. i can take this path here are the enemies and stuff like that and as more and more art 
audio comes into these locations and all these and writing as well story and all these little details start to pop up and that inspires people like they might hear a line of dialogue while playing and then they're like oh that's cool i could do that in the environment art and maybe create a little small scene here that that enhances that and so it's very beautiful to see that happen over the development course until in the end it's these extremely detailed uh huge locations that are filled to the brim with just small stories and stuff i love that very much yeah no i think that's that's super cool i um also you know i talked about that trailer that's what got me in and let me kind of get introduced to to your work uh and i'm super excited for shadow gambit now but for me it was the art style that just immediately snagged me uh maybe it's because i have an affinity for pirate pirate games avid sea of thieves player uh but i'm curious how did you guys settle on that art style to me the colors just got me i guess it was the purples and the greens it, the magical abilities it just it it pulled me in and i'm wondering if it that was a conscious choice uh do you guys see the similarities that 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 I as a player would uh, not working on the game every day? Do you guys see those similarities, or was that conscious? Talk to me about the art style of it. Yeah, so I have to give the disclaimer that I am not an artist, so I can only talk about what I know about it, and it's sort mm-hmm. of secondhand. Um, and I hope I don't misrepresent what they were thinking. But mm-hmm. yeah, so the art style, of course, lies with the art department, and it it changed quite a bit uh, compared to Desperados Three. Uh, because it's a lot more vibrant and it's a lot less realistic. Like Desperados 3 was trying to push more for a realistic vibe, and this time we were a little more abstract. We wanted more, yeah, more vibrant colors. We wanted more abstract shapes a little bit to just um, make it more timeless. I think that is an important part because we're not a huge studio. Like we're not a AAA studio. We can't mm-hmm. create graphics that are like top-notch, realistic quality. It's just a lot of work for us, and we decided that we want to create an art style that resonates with people and feels consistent and even if you look at the game in 10 years down the line you will still think hopefully that it's a beautiful game because it doesn't rely on technical things it relies on yeah the colors the the composition um and and shape a lot and so that was an important goal for them and i think they achieved it um also there is our games even though they have different like art styles if you look at the specifics you you at least i think you can look at them and be like okay this looks like a me 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 game like there is some something in in how they choose these colors and do these things that that mm-hmm. makes it feel consistent um and that of course is a huge part and then uh something that's very important also is is the gameplay aspect of it that it stays readable um that mm-hmm. is something that takes a lot of work and is very hard to do for the art department because there is a lot of stuff on screen um if you're in a top-down perspective and mm-hmm. you need to be able to identify what's important where are the enemies placed where are my characters how does we have these cone of visions in the game that are an extremely important part because they show you where the enemies are looking. How does that work with all the different textures you have? You know, can you see that green well on mm-hmm. on grass, for example? How is the grass green? How, like, there's a lot of stuff. Um, there's, there's stuff that's hanging into the camera where you just can't see well enough. And a lot of the art process also is about keeping things readable, um, keeping things things distinguishable from from each other. Um, and that's also something they work a lot on. And I think it works great. So it's a huge task uh, to, to create a good art style. And I'm very happy with how it turned out. They did, and did a stellar and awesome job with it. Oh, yeah. It's gorgeous. And then uh, it's funny. You you talked about the cone of like vision that the, the enemies had. And I have gameplay on my second screen right now as I watch it. And uh, as silly as it is, amidst all the brilliant magical art abilities and, and watching these pirates move around and... and uh, the Burning Maiden Inquisition, hunting for them and such. I 
am getting Metal Gear Solid or Hitman vibes even, which I know I put in our notes and it's so funny to say, but like the the tactical puzzle solving feels similar to that. Maybe I'm just picking games that I know hmm. to help identify the genre, but it really feels like that in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, they are these top-down stealth games. They share a lot of DNA, I think, you know, and Hitman is not top-down, of course, um, but... Um, and the new Metal Gear isn't as well, but the older ones were. The um, older ones, yeah. Yeah, the thing that is something that especially console gamers maybe don't know as much about is this genre already existed like over 10 years ago. Um, and mm. it was a game called Commandos from Spain by Pyro Studios in, set in World War II um, that basically just generated this genre aside from the Metal Gears. Um and this is, has been a huge inspiration for us. We've been playing a lot of it as kids, um, and it, it has been a game that we loved very much. And then there was Desperados, actually the first Desperados. It came out a very long time ago, um, and we basically just rebooted the, the, the IP uh, 15 years later or something. Um, um, so, yeah, this is sort of the origin. But if you look into Metal Gears and Hitmans, of course, we try to take a lot of of inspiration from those games basically everything that's in the stealth genre um and they make like it feels like these tactical short puzzles because of that because in our games it's very important for us that there's a lot of precision uh and you always know what's happening that is one of the most biggest pillars we have in design is seeing these vision cones the, the noise that abilities or your characters are going to make it's all displayed like you always know what's happening we don't really enjoy these kinds of when you're running around in a stealth game and then suddenly someone notices you and you're like hey, what what happened i don't know what i did wrong and you start mm -hmm. to hide and everything scrambles and you never know what actually happened and for us it's very important to give crystal clear feedback on what's happening you always have perfect information because it's a top-down game so you know everything there's no fog of war there's nothing that's obscured from your vision you know everything so you can make informed decisions um, and that have this tactical strategic approach to, to gameplay that is very important to us. Um, so this is why the vision cones are the way they are. They are very precise. They are pixel perfect. And while that maybe sometimes feels a little weird if you're looking at it, because you're like, why doesn't that guard notice the character? Like he, They probably should in the real world. But in the context of the game, when you're playing, it makes a lot of sense and it makes it a lot better to play the game because you know, okay, I can sit exactly here one pixel away from that vision cone and I will not be detected and I can set up the perfect plan to take the setup down. Gotcha. Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Now, uh, I tweeted out that we would be chatting together and, and a couple people wrote in questions and I'd love to get to them. Uh, listener Anubis was curious. Uh, he, he says that uh, controlling multiple characters looks tricky uh, how is this achieved by the player? And I'll add on to that, if you don't mind. Um, you guys are on console and PC, so keyboard and mouse, very different input than a controller. Uh, how do you guys balance like controlling multiple players simultaneously and then getting it onto a console? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. So we already, during the development of our first game, Shadow Tactics, we're on consoles as well, so we have a lot of experience with creating these two control schemes for the game. And we very early on decided on the fact that we want they're going to be different. Like we do not have in the like in most parts a cursor on the gamepad. Like if you don't play it like a strategy game on the PC, you directly control the characters. Um, you run around with them and you can switch to another character and you directly run around with them like in a third person action game just from top down or like in Diablo or something like that. Sure. Um and that makes it feel it's for me personally, I I enjoy the gamepad controls more. Um because 
it's just more immersive uh, if you're running around as the character yourself. I really like that part. Um, and the con uh, con uh, controlling of different characters at the same time. So, of course, you can multi-select them. You can select all three of them and run around at the same time so it doesn't get tedious. But the most important tool that we have there, which is also one of the cornerstones of our games there because it's extremely fun to use, is um, a mode where you can you pause time and you get into this planning mode. And you can set up one action per character. And you can say, this character is supposed to do that, this character is supposed to do that, and this one this. And then you can either execute everything at the same time at any point. You can also keep the game running when you go back to real time and you can just wait and then you press a button and they do this coordinated takedown, which if you get it right, feels incredibly good because you take down like three to four guards at the same time, like a surgical strike. That's what you want to feel like in a stealth game. You can also activate the abilities individually like you could say okay i want this because sometimes the timing is a little hard to get right so you're like okay this character first wait one second mm -hmm. this character and then i wait and then i execute this one um and while all of this happens you can also play you could just control one character yourself and have actions for the other set up and be like i take this guard down then i trigger that distraction with the other character and that with this one so this is how you can play a lot of it, and it works really well on a gamepad. I think once you get used to the controls, it takes a little time because there's a lot of stuff going on in a game like this. But once you're into it, we've received very well reviews for our previous games already for the gamepad controls and the, the console versions. Um, so I would encourage everyone to try it out. There's also demos usually for our games, so you can just see if you enjoy it and, and then jump in. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, another listener, Blaze Knight, wrote in saying... Uh, that he's hyped to hear your thoughts on on Shadow Gambit. Uh, more to the point, he says that Mimimi Mim Games quickly became one of his favorites, uh, given that he just loves Shadow Tactics. So a good compliment to you there. He is curious. Uh, yeah, I mean, Blaze Knight's amazing. He's super cool. Uh, he is curious, how does designing a game without a predetermined starting point uh, for the party change the overall level design? Yeah, so that changed it quite a bit. In the beginning, we really had to figure out a lot how to set up these islands and how to set up these... There's also no predetermined exit point. You can There's exit points on the map that are sort of predetermined, but you, you can choose which one you take. Um, yeah, we were figuring out a lot how to just position these. Um, we quickly came to a point where we decided there's no complete freeform selection because it's just overwhelming. It's not fun if you can spawn on any coast on the island. Mm -hmm. um, so there's usually, I don't know, five entry points, which is quite a lot. Like you can come from basically any direction on the, on the map. Mm -hmm. um, and that changes a lot. Uh, it just means that level design never knows where you're coming from and it makes it all a lot more sandboxy. Uh, it's also cool for players because they can choose, like have a different experience when they replay a mission maybe or they revisit a location. They can be like, oh, I want to spawn there and see how it works. And um it's just a lot of detail work in the end where you just try to get the right positions, get the right distances that the, the spawns don't feel obsolete, that you have a mission and you're like, okay, this clearly is the best spawn for that mission. Why would anyone choose any other spawn? That's something we don't want. There should usually be two spawns that are valid uh, in the same way. Um, so there's always a choice. Um, and it's just the stuff that you work out. You try start prototyping locations. You start blocking them out. You start drawing maps where you're like, here's a spawn, here's a spawn. The distance would be this, would be like that. Um, and then you just, yeah, iterate on it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, you guys are coming to a lot of platforms. Uh, 2023, I believe, is there. I'm not asking for a release date, but uh, you guys are aiming for 2023, multiple platforms, correct? 
yes, it's 2023. Uh, Xbox, PlayStation, PC. I think Epic and Steam are currently... We're trying to get more platforms as well, uh, but there's a, those are the ones that are currently confirmed. You can see all that on the website, maybe shadowgambit.com, if people are interested in that, because I might forget something or, you know. Well, there you go. You kind of nixed my next one. Uh, I was going to ask you to point uh, players to uh, any and all uh, locations where they can support you guys, check out more of your work. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to plug before we exit? Uh, yeah, so thanks a lot for having me here. Um, mm -hmm. And thanks for the questions and, and everyone who's enjoying the game. And um, if there is, like, if you can give us any sort of wish lists for the game, you know, on any store that is your preferred store, do that. Uh, that really helps us a lot because it helps sort of interacting with algorithms and these sorts of things. Um, and yeah, just engage. There's a Discord that you can join uh, that we have set up. You can also find the link on the Shadow Gambit website. We will answer questions there. The dev team is actually pretty active in that Discord, so and the communities as well. So if you have any questions or interested about things, just join the Discord and hang out with us. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, well, listeners, viewers, remember you guys can follow the Xbox Expansion Pass on any and all podcast services for more interviews. Uh, keep in mind, you can check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash Xbox Expansion Pass and support us over on Patreon there for more interviews as well. Moritz Wagner, thank you so much for joining me today. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Luke.